The day is Black Friday. The year is 2018. The podcast is This is the Pits. <laughs> the people are Chelsea Greenwood and Michael Oberst, and the movie is Seven Years in Tibet. We're just thrilled to be here tonight to uh, talk about this movie, which should, I just want to straight up ask you, Michael, did you like it? Um, no, no, I didn't. Um, and just before we get too into how we feel, yeah. we should mention uh-huh. this is a podcast where we watch every Brad Pitt movie in chronological order and talk about Brad Pitt's life, career and pop culture. That's exactly right. Thank you for clarifying. I realize I actually haven't done any research on his personal life when he was making this movie, and I, I feel as though I may have missed out. Well, you did miss out because guess what? He broke up with Gwyneth Paltrow. During the filming of this? Bra- uh, Gwyneth Paltrow flew to Tibet to um, hang out with Brad Pitt and feed the crew and just give everyone care packages and stuff. Okay, let's just clarify, listeners. It's Black Friday. We're both in a house filled with family and friends, so you're going to hear our family in the background. Don't worry. We still have a lot of great things to talk about. Yeah, it's true. And you're going to hear my family, and um, they're just they're loudly talking about God knows what. <laughs> yeah, you'll probably hear my, four-year, my two-year-old nephew screech at the top of his lungs. He screeches so fucking loud, and he's cute, but I also want to punch him in the face. So, um, wait, so, okay, Gwyneth Paltrow went to Tibet. Yeah, a couple of times during the filming because he was there for six months. And you know how they had that rule where only one of them would work on a movie at a time? Yeah. So she, while he was working, she wasn't really, and she would go hang out with him in Tibet. But he wasn't filming in Tibet. He was filming in Argentina, I thought. Um, yeah, see, okay. So uh, another disclaimer for our listeners. Um, it's the holidays, and so... <laughs> <laughs> the amount of research I did was good. Just, I think I got some of my dates and locations mixed up. Yeah. So I'm saying Tibet, but I think you're right. They did film in Argentina. Quite so a bit. just to clarify, they filmed most of it in Argentina, but the the director did send a secret crew to film in Tibet because you're not legally allowed to film in Tibet because it's a holy place. Oh. But twenty about twenty minutes of the footage of a secret crew went into the film. So the last title sequence has. Tibet in it, but no, mostly it was in Argentina and it was stunningly beautiful. It was my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. No, it was beautiful. I mean, at least they got that going for him. Yeah. So, uh, okay. You didn't like the movie. I'm really glad that you didn't like the movie and I'll tell you why. I knew you weren't going to. And (laughs) I'm happy that I was right. (laughs) Did you like it? I am really on the fence about it because... It has all the fixings of everything I should like in a movie. I mean, we've got World War II. We've got mountain climbers. We've got Brad Pitt. Um, it it's boring. <laughs> it's boring. That's, I mean, the true, true sadness about this movie, outside of Brad Pitt's accent, which is an absolute nightmare. Oh, atrocity. It's an atrocity. Is that it's too fucking long. I watched it in three sittings. <laughs> yeah, I watched it in one. My family, like, went out Black Friday shopping, and it was still on. Yeah. Like, like we started the movie and it was still on. It's just so fucking long and like and boring. Like they came back and they're like, "What did we miss?" And I'm like, "You know, not much." It could have been it could have been three great movies instead of one mediocre movie, is what I think. Well, here's the trouble is that it's a biopic. Um and so they wanted to keep it true to the actual story, which means they include it's like See, this is the struggle with biopics. It's like sometimes the story is so crazy 
that you want to include every detail. But the truth is, not all the details are necessary to the story that you're telling in the movie. Do you know okay, what I mean? Totally. So let's dilute what the proper storyline would have been. Okay. Well, first, let's just go over the what the storyline is, right? Okay. There's a guy from Austria, Brad, played by Brad Pitt. Uh, he is a mountain climber. He goes to conquer some mountain for Hitler. Now, here's an interesting, in the five seconds of research that I did, was that he was actually a Nazi. He was totally a Nazi. Yeah. But he maintains that, oh, so this is a, based on a true story, by the way, which, oh yeah, duh, we just said this is biopic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just want to say it uh, a fourth time. Uh, but yeah, he, they don't really, in the movie, they don't really specify that he's a Nazi. They show him at the beginning around some Nazi flags and he says, we'll get through this or we'll try to make the best of this or something. And it sort of seems like he was rejecting the Naziness. Yeah. They made it seem like they gave him a Nazi flag when he gets on the train and he like sort of like shoves it aside. But in reality, he was an SS guy. Uh, and I think, and I read an article that that said that basically the filmmakers may or may not have known that, but they were too far into making the movie so that they didn't cancel it which you know whatever people make mistakes and the guy who the movie's about says that it's it was like um fuck the guy who the movie's about says that he was in tibet for most of the war so he wasn't super nazi-ish no he was just a guy who joined the army basically in germany at the wrong time he didn't get to the point where he was like killing jews um Okay, so here's my point. I'm just going to go over the the long and short of it, the extremely long of it, and then I want to explain how I think it would be great as three separate movies, if you okay. would mind. Okay, right. so this guy, he it's ninth, the movie starts in 1939, which is the beginning of World War II. Hitler is coming to power. He wants to conquer a big mountain in the Himalaya. So he sends his Olympians to... Uh, to the Himalaya to conquer the mountain. Uh, Brad Pitt is a complete dick from the get. He's an asshole. He's like a narcissist. He's like, uh, he's not a team player. They get up the mountain. He doesn't tell people that he's hurt his leg. He almost kills his whole team. They have to turn around. He freaks out, blah, 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 blah. They get down from the mountain in the Himalaya in Nepal and they get arrested because World War II is fully blown out now and they are war criminals because just by virtue of the fact that they're German, they go to a war camp they escape from the war camp. He leaves his, I mean, this is very, very quick, but he leaves his, the people that he was in the war camp with for a few years. I think the year's now for 1942. He treks on foot through India and Nepal to Tibet. He runs into one of the guys he was in the war camp with, who he was kind of a dick to, but they lean on each other. And then they find themselves in the holy city of Lhasa. The young Dalai Lama is there. He sees this white man. He says, this white man can teach me. They end up teaching each other. He misses his son, who he left back in Germany. He goes back to Germany. The final thing is, like, he has this relationship with his son, right? Blow by blow. Yeah, basically. But, the, okay, so final thing, having a relationship with the son is pretty vague. It's not super clear. So forced and also not in the book. And I only bring this up because it is a biopic. He never really – he mentioned that he had a son when he left, but he doesn't bring it up. So that was fully the filmmaker's decision to put that thread that would bring him back to Austria, which, you know, I, didn't, I don't think was entirely necessary. It had narration through journaling, which was interesting because it, it, it was did. narration. There was – yeah, there was that good old 90s narration. So movies that I think I would like. 
German mountain climbers in the late 30s, early 40s without all the fancy jiggle jangles that I want. We could make a yeah. full movie out of that. That'd be great. There's this one dick who's lying to his people. Some people die. They get frostbite. Great movie. Okay. Then there's the movie of we're trekking across okay. India, two men who don't really like each other. How's this yeah, going to end okay. up? Then there's the movie of a white man befriending the young Dalai Lama and their relationship. I didn't want it all in one because it was A, too long, and B, it was no storyline was developed enough, which is the conundrum of this movie because it was so long and so uneventful, you know? Well, when the movie's described, I mean, yes, I totally agree. And, and I think it would be actually interesting to see the movie about the two guys traveling across India totally. who don't like each other. Dude, give me a World War II movie any day of the week. World War II, anything, I am into it. In fact, one of the first notes I wrote was like, World War II, oh, this like bromance that's going to develop between two nemeses. Like, there's good chunks. Even the sun thing is a good chunk, but it doesn't really pull off. That being said, I did not hate this movie. Well, I mean, I also think that there's there's room in the world for a World War II movie that is sort of about the Middle East or south southern part of uh, Asia, like totally. um, India, Tibet, and all that stuff. Tons because of room. There's a lot of there's a lot of action there, things that went on, a lot of really interesting stories, especially especially this story specifically, mm-hmm. the like rejection of the Dalai Lama by China yeah. is such an interesting story. Oh, that's a whole other movie, movie itself too. Yeah. Yeah, this movie doesn't really do that particular story justice, which is annoying because they do try to do it justice, but they fail. Yeah, um, and I think for me that's my my least favorite part of the movie is that whole thing because it's really vague and it doesn't – I guess it just doesn't do it justice, that occupation, because I, I didn't walk away learning anything about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I had to look it up after and they and they have to explain in the end – um, but yeah, I think you're right. That that could have been such an informative chunk because it's still happening. He's still living in India. Oh yeah, he's still not allowed in Tibet or China. Um, but the, and the, what neither I was gonna... are Brad Pitt and his co-star, by the way, for doing this role. <laughs> or yeah, and while we're at it, other other famous people who are not allowed in in China are uh, Harrison Ford. No. Uh, yep, Martin Scorsese. Uh, well, that, there's a bunch more, but those are the two that stuck out to me. Oh, Bjork, she's not allowed in China. Um, she's my sweetest angel of the heavens above. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, what, what I was going to say, too, is like, aside from that story of the Dalai Lama, there's I want to see a good World War II movie about buddies in or, or even enemies or, or frenemies or something in mm-hmm. that region because there was war stuff happening. But every movie that I've seen about it, except for... Granted, I'm not the best movie critic because I haven't seen a ton of movies. Um, but the movies I have seen, I haven't seen a lot that do that that region in that time period justice, except for maybe Indiana Jones, which even then, it it does it justice in that it does the time period right yeah. justice, but it doesn't do the story much. Casablanca, kind of. Yeah, Casablanca, kind of, definitely. Um, yeah, I guess, yeah, it's just such a shame because – it could have been a really informative movie. It could have been great. Like two guys walking thousands of miles together after escaping a prisoner of war camp sounds amazing, right? Yeah. Or people hiking to the peaks of the world without the modern day equipment that we have now. Amazing. Like I'm into that. I'm into people leaving Nazi Germany. Like it's a shame. It's a damn shame. 
It's a damn shame. I do have to say, though, in watching this movie, I think that this is the last of his um, attempts at Oscar bait. I think the last four movies we've watched of his have been taken because he wants to win an award. He's famous, and now he wants to be taken seriously as an actor. And he's like, I'm going to do a movie that is definitely going to get me an Oscar. And it's not paying off for him. Um, And... It's funny because the next movie he does is Meet Joe Black, and that is a basically a rom com, as far as I, I think. I'm not sure about that. No, I no, it's not. It's a it's a romantic drama. I think it's another Oscar bait movie. Listen, I'm ready for romance. We haven't had romance in a while from him. Look, I hope it's good because I'm really tired of going watching these bad movies, <laughs> and they're like bad in a way that's annoying because they're trying so hard to be good yeah and it seems like brad pitt was optimistic when he started doing the movie yeah and they're just not interesting no i know well the thing is is that i actually i actually liked this movie because i really liked the cinematic world of it it won one award which was john williams won a golden globe for the best score Mm-hmm. Along with that, but also the just that it looked so beautiful. Like I watched it in three sittings, and so it was easy for me to be like, "Okay, I like this movie because I like picturing myself in that environment," or "I like this movie because <laughs> I like picturing this relationship between two people." That being said, it's not good that I watched it in three sittings, right? Like I had I had to actually get up. Granted, I was busy and my whole family is in town, but also like I could have made time for a full movie ahead. I really liked it that much. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. If I didn't, if I didn't have to, because we were going to record later this afternoon, I probably would have split it up myself too. Hundred um, percent. A cute little factoid that I really liked about this movie is that the yaks, because they were filming in Argentina, the yaks had to be imported specially to Argentina from from Asia, and they had to uh-huh. be given individual passports with photographs and teeth imprints, and so they were real true actors. On the scene. <laughs> they had passports. Yeah, and they, and they come flying in. And they were the best background actors a background actor could have ever been. Ugh, <laughs> oh, finally. I mean, now I know. If I ever need background actors, hire a yak. <laughs> we need a yak. <laughs> <laughs> Just a sea of yaks. <laughs> yeah. A yak will always be a better background actor than a human being. Um, we were talking. Hundo P. Hundo P. We were talking earlier, right before we started, that we that Michael had some really good Brad Pitt quotes, and I was like, "Oh, I have one really good Brad Pitt quote," but we wanted to wait until we recorded it uh, to share our Brad Pitt quotes. So why don't you give me one, and we'll see if it's the one that I think it is. Okay. Well, um, one of them is that someone said some one, an interviewer asked him like why he doesn't like taking roles where he has to play a stud. Uh-huh. And he says, because stud roles are one, boring, two, <laughs> stupid, three, death. <laughs> okay, he's really taking himself seriously. Yeah. So. Brad, get the fuck down off your high Just horse. Get a grip, dude. Good God. <laughs> he's losing his mind. Oh, it's yeah. so fun to watch this happen because all of a sudden, he used to be like, whatever the fuck, I don't care, man. I just don't want to be pretty. And now he's like, Art is life and death is love. <laughs> yep, exactly. Also, well, go ahead. You, you, what's, your, what's your quote? So my quote, this is so funny. He was in a bad mood. He must have been because uh, when questioned about his stance on the China-Tibet problem by Time Magazine, which is a huge thing, the whole free Tibet thing. I mean, it's like, whatever. 
he goes, who cares what I think China should do about Tibet? I'm a fucking actor. I'm a grown man who puts on makeup. Oh, yeah. I did see that quote. It's like, yikes. I mean, he must be, it must be one of those moments where he's just like swarmed with media and he was annoyed. And so he just said that. But my God, that I'm is not sorry, Brad Pitt. You're a famous person with a platform. Listen, you don't have to take a stance, but be a little bit fucking more respectful than that. Not okay. That sounds like some bullshit that someone who is like in college in their dorm room would say about Tibet. You know, like they, but they have like Tibet shit all over their room. Like they're super into Buddhism and like they have pictures. They like love the Dalai Lama, but they're like, what do I care about Tibet? And like, you know what I mean? It's like this weird thing. And especially annoying because he worked on this movie and he studied, he knows like the story of like Tibet and like, how can he just turn around and be like, what do I care? You know what I mean? And it's, it's kind just of so, out of character. It, it, it's extremely out of character for him. And it's also just so an actor. It's just so, I want more, I'm disappointed in him for saying something like that. So egotistic. Because I've always thought throughout this whole thing and watching his journey that he's like a salt of the earth guy that like, I don't hate him. I don't think he's a dick. I think he's kind of weird and quirky and like wants to be yeah. taken seriously as an actor. But I've never thought of him as that, you know, stereotypical image of a Hollywood star who's like vapid and like doesn't give a shit about the world yeah but i wonder if maybe he was going through something because he's breaking up with gwen uh i wonder if i had this thought when he was meeting the dalai lama for the first time like if this is when he turned into a vegetarian like maybe he did learn something but i was pissed at him for that statement hmm um yeah that's a shitty ass statement and um let me see. Uh... Oh, here's something I w- I've been wanting to bring up for the last, like, six episodes. Oh, okay. We never talk about the pockmarks on his face. Oh, yeah. I've been wanting to bring this up, too. Because, like, he's not perfect. His skin is not perfect. His skin is not even close to perfect. Like, he has full-on acne scars. And they're in every single movie. And it's, we've just never addressed it. It does No point to be made other than the fact that, like, it's, it's very pronounced in this movie with that bleached blonde hair that he has. Yeah. Yeah, um, I know. It's Oh, yeah, and his hair in this movie is crazy. Okay, here's the thing. Poor Brad Pitt. <laughs> sometimes he looks really hot, though. Like, sometimes he looks like a Ken doll, which I'm not into, but then sometimes I'm like, ooh, you're feeling it, you're sexual, I'm into this, you're dirty, you're getting spiritually enlightened. <laughs> and I'm like, ooh, you're hot, and then he speaks. And he says, shut up! <laughs> oh, yeah, shut up! Shut up. And it's like the worst accent. I read something about how he was he was saying how he was doing this accent in this movie. And it was harder because he had just come off doing the accent in whatever that other movie was. Um, the Devil's Own. Again, <laughs> forgot. I'll forget <laughs> it forever until movie. I die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he was happy with his accent in that movie. His accent in The Devil's Own is better because he didn't have a lot more dialogue. This was no, a but fully it's a bad accent. Here's the thing: we can't pretend it was a good accent just because he didn't have that many lines. It no, was a bad accent. No, but, but he might, was happy with his performance. Might I say, I don't. It's not his fault. He should not have been cast in that role. He just shouldn't have. Like it's the filmmaker's fault for casting someone with that's embarrassing for him. It's embarrassingly bad. I texted you today when you told me you were starting. I literally screamed when he started talking. I. My notes are, I will post this on the Instagram account, capital O, no with seven O's, excla, 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 the accent, the hair, oh no, oh no. <laughs> like, it's so bad. That's not <laughs> his fault. 
No, it was not his fault. That's and no- the filmmaker's fault. Did nobody tell him? And then he won, like, the awards are John Williams wins an award for music and Brad Pitt wins, like, a turkey for having the world's worst accent. So embarrassing for him. So embarrassing. It was a hard stretch of, of like, time. It was yeah. a hard... We're really... Uh, he's not... You know what it is? I think he's really insecure in this period. 96, 97, 98. He's not secure in who he is. True. You know, I think he's a little bit young... He's transitioning. Um, but but bringing it back to why we do this, he fucking keeps trucking. He never stops. He does. You know, yeah. he is resilient. And he's trying his best. He's just trying his best. Yeah. Um, okay, so I guess for uh, some more fun facts about the filming of this movie. Um, they... Even in Argentina, he could not be—he could not hide from the droves of super fans who were always trying to get like a glimpse of him. And it was obnoxious because he was trying to like, you know, get in the zone or whatever. And so the producers spent sixty thousand dollars <gasps> by building a barbed wire fence around the barracks that he was sleeping in. Shut your fucking face. Here Not comes that. Kidding. Here's the same egomaniac that refuses to talk about the China Tibet situation. Am I right? Yes, exactly. He I don't know if he demanded it, but he said something that was strong enough to make them spend sixty thousand yeah. dollars. And you and I both know as well as anyone that no no production has sixty thousand dollars to spare. No. And a production that spends sixty thousand dollars on something that is unexpected is that has to come from the very, very top of the chain. And so yeah. He said something that made people react. Yeah, because it's like hire a few bodyguards, you know. Right, right, or just you know, like. A I date. I think just we're really we're really seeing an actor. We've seen an actor transition from up and coming to full blown stardom, and we're seeing an ego be developed. And the I, fact that he's happy with his Belfast accent, yeah, is says a lot about his ego. Yeah, I have to say, I think that I I'm hoping. Isn't it interesting that we're seeing this like personality evolve with the movies we're watching? Yes, it is. Because he remember when he was this down to earth dude who like yeah. didn't know what to do with all the fame that he had? Yeah, and now all of a sudden he's like, I'm wielding my power and I'm hoping and I'm feeling probably like when once we get like three or four years out, I'm feeling he like he probably quells it down, but who knows? What a fun journey we're on. It's like we're I know, up. and now it's kind of And now we're watching the arc. And yeah. the other interesting thing that he said, and a different thing I saw, is that he thought his fame would die out. Yeah, uh, of course like he did. Thought, we all well, did. We, everyone did. I mean, I still do. <laughs> That's why we're do- that is why we're doing what we're doing because it's like, what is the anomaly of this person that not only is he still making movies, but he's also still all over the world? Like, that's why we're oh, yeah. here. I just sent you, I uh, like yesterday on Thanksgiving, I sent you a photo of the magazine that was on my on the coffee table of the Airbnb that my parents are staying at and it had Brad Pitt on the cover and it said like Brad and Jen baby announcement they are not together but <laughs> so like so weird th- these magazines are making an entire relationship that doesn't exist because it was such a money maker in 2002 or whatever that they i guess it was like 1999 oh we're so close to Brad and Jen because i'm just realizing right now it's 1997 mm-hmm. 
he broke up with Paltrow in 2001, I believe, is Mr. and Mrs. Smith. And that's when he broke up with Jen. <gasps> We're close to Anne. Anne. We're close to Anne. Who's Anne? Aniston. You mean Ange? Aniston. <laughs> Aniston and Ange. Alina. <laughs> I am so excited for, for Jennifer Aniston. Because she, they go on for a while. They get married. He does friends. Like, we've got some real... And mm-hmm. I think that's happy Brad. Like, a Brad who's settled and found who he thinks is the love of his life. Because I don't think that Gwyneth and him... Um, I think they were both riding early fame together. And so it's like almost like when you meet your friend in your freshman year of college and like you're in the same dorm and you're like, okay, we're going through this together. But you don't really have anything in common other than yes. that you just started something together. Totally. Um, yeah, but shout out to my room... Oh, here's a funny anecdote. I was just going to say shout out to my dorm roommate, Michael. <laughs> Um, he was great. We had very little in, in common, but he was like the best roommate ever. And you know, what was really funny is for some reason on our dorm floor, they paired up people with the same name. So it was like Michael and Michael. And then there was like a Tristan and Tristan, which Tristan's not a common name. At first, you know, Michael and Michael. I think I really love this. Someone in the admissions office is like, let's fuck with these people. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Because Michael and Michael, like, that's for both of us. We're like, yeah, whatever. Michael's like the most common name in the entire universe. Yeah. It's like Mohammed and then Michael. Yeah. Um, and so we know we're like, whatever. But then Tristan and Tristan, mm-hmm. we we're like, okay. And then there was like a Colton and Colton. And we're like, that's Whoa. someone's. That's amazing. I love that. Yeah, it was amazing. Should we talk a little bit about um, Gwyneth? And him and like some highlights of their relationship? Like I have a few notes. Do Please. you want to go? Well, Okay. We haven't really talked about this movie at all. I guess we don't really need to. Well, we can. Okay, well, let's talk about the movie first. Um, so what are some of your notes on the movie? Uh, they're all what so vague. Like this, Chelsea. <laughs> well, I feel like there's a lot of problematic things about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 take your pick. I, um, <laughs> He, like, beats up a couple Sherpas on his way. It's just so unfortunate to make a movie about Tibet. It's so unfortunate to make a movie about something so impactful and such a peaceful, loving people and the ethos of what they live for and what they stand for and then make this vapid thing. Um, I will say, though, I thought outside yeah, of this ac- movie, oh, go ahead. outside of Brad's accent, I thought that he is played good at the character. Like, I liked the sense of humor that he had. I liked like this, the nuances of his character, which was that he was a dick. Like he wasn't overtly dickish. He gave the sexy eyes when he needed to give the sexy eyes. Like I think his physical acting and the nuance of the character was really good, but I didn't like the accent and the hair. It took me right out, which is so unfortunate because like genuinely, like when he was having a crush on, on the other German guys, soon to be wife he gave me that almost problematic by the way extremely problematic but he gave me that almost legends of the fall natural good thing for brad which is like a nuanced i know i've said nuanced three times but like a complicated multi-dimensional character which he should have been for this movie but his accent just fucking yeah i sort of thought when he was uh you know when they were going to climb this mountain and he was becoming kind of obsessed with climbing the mountain that it was going to be like a heart's darkness sort of, you know, totally. apocalypse now sort of thing where he needs totally. to, he's like obsessed with conquering this mountain. Totally. And I, 
And that goes back to what you said before about this movie should have been three separate movies. Yeah. It should have been about a man obsessed with conquering the mountain. It yeah. should have been about a man who's forced to travel across across a strange country yeah. when he's like been isolated with someone he doesn't really like. And then it should be about a man befriending the Dalai Lama, which is what the IMDb says this movie is about. Well, if- so here's the thing. I see what they were trying to do because what they were trying to do was this guy is obsessed with material things, material titles, money, fame, yeah. riches. Okay, that is yeah. the opposite of what Tibet is supposed to stand for. So, like, I understand the thread, which is they were both each other's path to salvation. They say that he says, you're my path to salvation. The Dalai Lama says, you're my path to salvation. So the Dalai Lama ultimately teaches him that there's more important things than, you know, riches and fame and conquering and being better than and wanting, you know. Um, and that is a great lesson learned. That's a lesson we should have walked away with knowing. Instead, I walked away being like, they tried to tell me something and it didn't work out, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It, it didn't work out. But but I just, at the same, t- no, go the same time, they said that this movie was about this guy befriending the Dalai Lama. Yeah. And the Dalai Lama didn't come in for like an hour. half the movie. Yeah. Over an hour, yeah. That's and it, that's it's fuck ridiculous that honestly fuck that i'm pissed off i'm pissed yeah. off because also they're supposed to be each other's teachers but it's like brad pitt taught him we didn't see any it just it was it was a swing and a miss on uh, every emotional level in this movie was a swing and a miss but i did want to shout out that totally i think that brad pitt did good acting he just is bad at an accent um, yeah, I would agree. And that's what kind of took him, took me out of him. Yeah, exactly. And the fucking bleach blonde hair looked like a wig. It's like this Aryan guy was distracting as fuck for me. Yeah, it was real Aryan. It just felt racist. And then my one last criticism of the film uh, before we get to Gwyneth, because I would love to just talk about Gwyneth for years and years, is that the script was like, Okay, so these are people in 1939, Germans speaking to Tibetans, right? Uh-huh. Like two people who do not speak English, but are speaking English for the sake of their English viewers, right? Technically. Yeah. They are speaking in odes and poems and Shakespearean English and like all of these Tibetan people. It's just like the script. This is one of my biggest pet peeves of all time is a script that is entirely unbelievable. It's so flowery the whole time. All of these like metaphors and oozits and what's its galore. I'm like, I don't believe you. I want a little oh, yeah. tension. There's zero tension. Zero tension. It does. It's just like smooth, like diarrhea, you know, Ugh. smooth in all the wrong ways. It's like, it's uh, like someone sprayed perfume on diarrhea and like tried to make it flowery, <laughs> but you're just like, no, I want the actual shit smell. And tell you that it's smooth. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, I didn't even realize how good of an analogy that is. Yeah, it's a gorgeous It's smooth analogy. because smooth is usually a good thing, but diarrhea is smooth, and that's bad. Yeah, let's, um, bring, let's make a T-shirt that says that. <laughs> smooth like diarrhea. <laughs> smooth like diarrhea. <laughs> Welcome to This is the Bits. You know what? You really have the range, I have to say. You can really hit those notes. I know. Um, One day we'll get a jingle. Um, but that's it. That's really all my other notes are like... Um, me just talking to myself. Oh, oh, I love it when he cries. I always love it when Brad Pitt cries. 
Same, 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 same. He can get there now. He can, he can take himself there, and it's he did good. The same legends cry when he was talking about his son. You know, mm-hmm. and I was like, "It's okay, baby boy. I'll give you a hug. <laughs> I'll take you there." <laughs> yeah, and I love how how into celebrating Christmas they were in Tibet. I know because that was his party. Like it was his home. Yeah. Still, it was weird. <laughs> the whole fucking um, thing. I listen. I'm happy to like not talk about this movie because it goes on for three years. So like, let's get to Gwenny. Okay. Let's get to more quotes. One more quick note. This yeah. movie really, really does not pass the Bechtel test. What's a Bechtel test? You never heard of the Bechtel test or Bechtel? Bechtel? B-E-C-H-T-E-L? D-E-L. No. Yeah, yeah. It's where like in a movie they test out who is, if it, if it's like, I don't want to say feminist approved, but at least at least has two women talking to each other. There's like different levels of the Bechdel test. Like, Oh, interesting. One of them is like, is there like a woman in the movie? Who's like a a main character. Is there a woman who has lines in the movie is like the first level. And then there's like, is there a woman who talks to another woman about something other than a man? Oh boy. And then there's like, Mm hmm. There's like, I forget what it is, but it's something like, basically, does, is there a woman in the movie who serves a purpose other than a love interest and um, has like thoughts and agency and feelings of her own that do not do not invo- involve a man? I would argue that our main our main ingenue here has some thoughts of her own. She's like a teaching tool. No, no. She only talks to men. She never talks to another woman. And she her sole purpose is um, to be a love interest. Yeah, but you're a hundred percent right. And there's so the other woman is the mother of the Dalai Lama, who's actually the true Dalai Lama's sister. Oh yeah, I saw that. Um, and so she was playing her mom. Yeah, so that's a woman who's kowtowing to, you know, respect her leader. So I guess obviously she's on her knees the whole time. Uh, but then, ooh, on her knees the whole time. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Um, yes. And uh, then the other, but the woman. Okay, so the other woman. This is interesting because. Yes, she doesn't talk to another woman and she serves as a love interest, but also she's kind of like a teaching tool. Yeah, she, I guess she is, but like the Bechtel, I mean, yeah, and that's the problem with the Bechtel Bechtel test. And again, I'm not sure if I'm saying it right. It might be Bechtel. Who knows? (laughs) Give it your best shot. (laughs) Give it my Bechtel shot. Um, it's, It's a little flawed because it doesn't, cover you know things like that where it's like there it's not like purely terrible it's just there's no woman in the movie or there's you know there's no but like it i do i get it i oh it's a toughy mcsnuffy because i do feel (laughs) like yes females need to be more represented but this is a story about a man traveling across miles and miles and miles and the fact that they even had a woman who was smart an intelligent woman who these guys both were into yeah i was just annoyed with that i was just annoyed with that one character who played the wife um yeah. but anyway okay so t- let's talk about uh, well she was because... very but she was here's your problem with it it's not a bechtel test thing your problem with it is, is that she was like a fucking she was just a clear prop Yes. She was just like a clear device. She wasn't a yep. person. And that's Correct. problematic. 
Yeah. It is. And it's an, it's just like annoying. But yeah. anyway, that's movie making in the 90s, you know? Yeah. Um, give me those transported yaks. That's right. Need more yaks. Um, let's get okay. Let's talk, let's talk about Gwen. So, Do you want to rate the movie now and then go into personal life? No. Nah. Spicy twist? Okay. We'll do it in our normal way. We'll do it at the end. Yeah. Okay. Um, so first of all, I'm not exactly sure when they broke up, but I'm sure I could just Google it and find out, but um, I'm not going to. Um, <laughs> but the point is, is they, they broke up at some point between filming seven years in Tibet and releasing seven years in Tibet. Right. Um, so, and they broke up because Brad Pitt proposed to Gwyneth while they were, while he was filming this movie, he proposed oh. to her in oh. Argentina. Oh my and, God. And she said, she said, yes, but he, you know, he didn't, he, he said he would never reveal the details of the proposal. Um, well, it's because, the most beautiful landscape I've ever seen. I, the whole time I was watching it, I was like, where the fuck they are? I need to go there. It's stunning. Yeah. Well, apparently he was like crazy in love with her and she was crazy in love with him, but she was 24. She was like a young buck. He loves a 10 year younger. It's his, it's his M.O. It's his M.O. And she was 22 when he started dating her. Um, Fucking shit, Brad. Disgusting. Can yeah. you imagine? Here's the thing. Technically, that's not a long time. But imagine being... Okay, I'm 32, right? Yeah. This is, he was 33 when he started filming this movie. Mm-hmm. Imagine me dating a 22-year-old person. That's, that would be bizarre. That's insane. Like, a 22-year-old person does not know their ass from their elbow. They're... Right. At least I didn't. I was a fucking drug addict moron living in New York, like fucking and sucking and snorting all over the place. <laughs> 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 I'm going to make a shirt about that. And now you <laughs> bounced right back. Look at you go. You're back in New York. <laughs> well, it's Less... funny. I was thinking the other day, uh, when I left New York, I was a bartender and I was a drug addict. And I was always like, I will move back to New York and I will have a full-time job and I will be able to afford my apartment. I will drink martinis and live in Park Slope in a brownstone. And I did the whole thing. Yeah, and you're literally doing that almost exactly right now. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I almost, I was walking through the park the other day and I brought a tear to my eye because I was like, holy shit, I did what 25-year-old me said I was going to do. Good for you. But I'll tell you what, back to Brad, I would never date a fucking 22-year-old because they don't know what they're doing. Never, ever. I'm, I'm like 25 I'm about to be 26 and I would not date a 22 year old I'm not even that much older than a 22 year old and no. 22 year old I the, couldn't do it the difference between a 22 year old and even a 25 year old like 22 you're still a bait you're still a kid you're basically 18 exactly right <laughs> basically he was dating an 18 year old Gwyneth on the verge of stardom they're fucking Jesus Christ speaking of being on the verge of stardom she uh uh, Harvey Weinstein came on to her while they were dating mm -hmm. and he asked her to come up to his mm -hmm. hotel room and give him a massage. She declined and he got mad, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then Gwyneth told Brad and Brad Pitt used his star power to threaten Harvey Weinstein and throw Ugh. and, you know, That's just my bitch. basically get put him in a, in a little bit of a pinch and a little bit of a headlock and say, like, fuck you. You can't do that to my girlfriend, blah, blah, blah. And so Harvey Weinstein backed off. See, that's the Brad I know and love. Like, yes. that's the Brad that I'm imagining. The Brad that we're seeing now is not a Brad that would do that, I don't think. Oh, I guess this is the I time. think it is. No, I think it is. I think, I mean, it is exactly this time. But I, I think Brad Pitt. <laughs> it is exactly what he did, you idiot. <laughs> that is what he did. But yeah, he, he 
I think he's still, I think he's always going to be that boy from Missouri. There's always a part of him that's going to be that boy from Missouri who is a little scrappy and not afraid to kind of throw a punch. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we're seeing him right now. Like he's a little scrappy, not afraid to throw a punch, but he's lost. He's a wandering chicken in the woods. Yeah. So anyway, Brad and Gwen break up because she isn't ready for marriage and it's a lot. I mean, reasonably so. And it, she she never outright said that she dumped Brad, but she just said that, that she wasn't ready. So, no, and they both look back on it fondly. And there was this, yeah. like, I was reading a couple weeks ago, not for this episode, but, like, there's all these 10-year anniversary of their breakup online. Like, why the fuck we care? I don't know, but people really do. But, like, yeah, 10 years ago, Brad Pitt and Gwyneth broke up. And it's, like, the whole thing is, like, and it's the same thing with She Who Must Not Be Named. It's, like, we respected each other, but we're living you know, our lives in the spotlight and we weren't ready for it. That yeah. being said, Brad does love an engagement, does love a half committal, huh? He loves an engagement because it's like all the fun celebration or like most of the fun celebration of getting married, yeah. but like without actually all the paperwork. He's he's a romantic is what we're talking about, you know? He is a romantic. Yeah, he's he a romantic believes, and an idealist. He believes in the one true love. Uh, but his lifestyle and his affinity for fucking his co-stars has gotten in his way. It's because he's a romantic. I mean, he does that because... But he also I cheats mean, on all of his girlfriends with people he works with. <laughs> he's obsessed with that infatuation feeling. That honeymoon phase that every relationship oh, gets who about two, three months in. He's obsessed with that feeling. Yeah. And so, you know, about four years into a relationship, it starts to feel weird and starts to... Well, not weird. Just it starts to like slow down. Yeah. Um, Things kind of level out. And then, you know, he's constantly doing these movies where he's forced to have chemistry with pretty girls and he's the hottest man yeah. alive. And so, like, of course, and the movies go on for like three months. So he starts to have a rapport and some sort of relationship. And I'm oh not defending God. him. No, 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 no. A hundred percent. Like, I'm, I'm not defending or calling him out on his shit. I mean, that's the thing. I couldn't be an actress because I would fall in love with – I fall in love every day on the subway. Like <laughs> – I'm I have a crush right now full disclosure audience I have a huge crush on this person right now and I've gone all the way over the deep end but like if I were to like make out with people and have sex with people who I was cast because I have chemistry with them here's the thing about humans if you have chemistry with a person you're gonna fuck them I don't care who you are if you have chemistry and you continually see a person you're gonna have sex with them it's human nature yeah it's so true. I don't and, blame him, but he just needs to not be married all the time. <laughs> right. Well, it, I mean, he's he, what he should try to do. And, you know, I'm no relationship expert, but he should he should figure find someone who's willing to have somewhat of an open relationship where Brad, if you're listening, <laughs> we're here for you, Brad. If you're listening, come yeah. talk to us. <laughs> find a nice 20 no. year old girl. No, you know what he needs? What he needs is like a cancer scare or like, you know, the loss of a parent or something huge to like reel into what's true. He needs erectile dysfunction. For all we know, he has it, but he doesn't, he can take the best drugs in the world and you know that thing's going to pop right. Do you think that he's good in bed? I doubt he's good at bed. No, I think he is because remember, he's from Missouri. He didn't come to LA till he was 24, 25. He 
I mean, he might be bad in bed because, you know, some, like, attractive people are just not very good in bed. I feel like he wouldn't be very thoughtful. And again, we talked about this last... I think he's a selfish lover, but I think he's also kind of a laissez-faire lover. And also, we talked about this last week, but I think he smells, like, bad. I think he smells like Indian spices and patchouli. Yeah, Um, probably. But listen, Brad, if you're listening, kid, give us a ring. We'll help you out. We know what we're talking about. We know you better than you know yourself. We do. We get you, Brad, and not in an obsessive way. No, not at all. In like a friend way. We're not like, even fans. We're not even fans. We're just not concerned even a fan. watchers. Fan is such a strong word for what I am. Yeah, listen, we just are looking out for our best friend, Brad. <laughs> it's just that I've seen Brad, and I think that we would get along really well. Yeah. So I'm going to study every single thing he's ever done is so that I can really determine whether or not we would be friends in real life. Yeah, and we're going to just like live vicariously vicariously through his life for two years of our lives because we're not fans at all (laughs) you know what's funny is right now he's 32 so we're like oh my god we'd be such good friends but like we're gonna go keep going going. oh we got years we have 20 more years of his career he's he's gonna be 50 before we know and we're gonna be like oh man i couldn't be friends with this jackass (laughs) right but to put it into perspective i'm 32 now so like it's funny because he's starring in huge fucking blockbuster films and making millions of dollars and and this is a good segue into the money conversation but okay he's making millions of dollars and he's engaged to a beautiful woman and i'm you know living by myself with a cat (laughs) taking over manhattan there's not a single thing wrong with living your first of all your cat is an angel that's true michael thank you do not make shelby feel inferior Shelby's middle name is now Brad Pitt. <laughs> and her name it is... It should be Gwyneth. She's Shelby Gwyneth from accounting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so the money, let's get there. What was the budget for this film? The estimated budget for this movie was $70 million. It's not on Box Office Mojo, but that's what IMDb says. Um, the, oh God, this is rough now that I'm looking at it. The domestic gross was, well, first, the opening weekend was $10 million, and it wasn't even number one. No. Can you imagine being Brad Pitt and being like, I just starred in a current day topic, and like, I, it was about the Buddha and Tibet, and then like $10 million? That's what, $2 million more than he made to be in it? Uh, I don't even know what he made, but he made yeah, it's million. not very much. He made $8 million. Then, yeah, it's. Only two more million than he made. So, and then the Boy, next weekend, Manoia, that's so bad. It's yeah, then the next weekend helps. it made six million. It it does so poorly. It, the total domestic lifetime gross was thirty seven point nine million. Are you kidding me? On a sixty million dollar budget, Michael, this 70, is the seventy million. Michael, this is the worst performing movie we've ever seen. Well, no, because then then it's lifetime gross. It's it's uh, worldwide gross um, was higher. Um, I need to find the exact number. Is ninety three point five million for its it's, it's uh, foreign gross. So for its total worldwide gross was one hundred and thirty one point four million. Okay, so, so but what does that mean? Like, what's the time frame on that? Oh, lifetime. I don't know. It's, it's just i don't know as long as it was out and people bought it so i would say probably until like 2000 or something still ooey manui for an opening weekend where you're like working for six months in a foreign country and like you've dyed your hair blonde and you've gone out on a limb and like put on an accent that you know in your heart isn't good and then it's confirmed 
when you get ten million dollars back in the box office, oifa manoifa. The only recognition you get is for having a terrible accent. Yeah, ten million, and it's total domestic thirty-seven point nine. That's Ouch. bad. That's bad, so bad. Bad, bad. I think that's the worst we've seen since he's been famous. Maybe it's just it's another it's another one of those movies where they're like big actors, big names, and it flops because they're trying so hard to be something that they can't really pull off. Yeah. Okay. How about we stop making movies in the hopes of getting a award and start making movies in the hopes of making art? Can we please Hollywood? Oh, and the director also directed enemy at the gates, which I believe is another one of those movies that is notoriously high budgeted with a horrible, nothing upsets me more. Literally nothing. Oh my God. Yes. This same director, Jean-Jacques Anod, also directed Enemy at the Gates, which was a 2001 movie um, starring Jude Law. $68 million estimated budget, but its worldwide gross was $96 million with a $51 million domestic gross. Oh, shit. So this guy, and he hasn't worked a whole lot since, and I think it's because... No, of course not. He's a fucking toxic. He, yeah, he poisons movies. Like, they have these huge budgets. Nothing pisses me off more. Well, we talked about this last episode. Respect your fucking viewer. I mean, whatever. It's the industry. Well, let's not get into it because I'll just, I mean, this is an open and shut case of bullshit. It's what we talked about last week where it's, you know, respect your viewer. We're smarter than that, you know. And also make a movie because you want to make a movie. I mean, that being said, the director probably came in with high hopes and the and the uh, studio probably was like, no, we want it this way. We want to appease this way. We want to do it that way. Like, it's just of course, so, the, the con- the, yeah, the like the ladder of making a movie is becomes so convoluted and stupid. It's like we can't really speak to it. But I think this movie could have been really great. A lot shorter. I think it could have been four movies. And with that, let's get to our ratings, shall we? Let's do it. So IMDb. Gives this movie a 7 out of 10. Okay. Wow, that's high. Okay. That's high. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes gives them a 60%. Okay. Uh, Metacritic is a 55%. Okay. Google's 91. We'll ignore that until we get to the 2000s. And then Entertainment Weekly gives it a B-. minus. Okay. All right. I mean, I guess all that is just kind of like, eh, I don't know. It doesn't really... I hate this so much, so, I mean, I can't wait to be done with this. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I think this is actually yeah. a good episode. <laughs> None of that is actually shocking, except for maybe IMDb's, but again, it's that thing where people probably only rated it because they were looking for it. I don't know. I think there's something to be said about this movie. Well, what do you think, what, overall, what's your what's your rating? I don't know, like three and a half? It's, Whoa. I have a low rating because it was so fucking boring, and like convoluted it just didn't like the story was three so... and a half huh yeah the story because i think about other movies that i rate low and i'm like this is on par with those other movies that i rate low because it's just so slow and boring i'm like get to the point like what is this movie even actually about if it's actually about the dalai lama then why aren't we talking about the dalai lama until yeah. an hour and a half in that's so interesting because you rated the one last week whose name i'm forgetting uh the Devil's Own. You rated you rated the one last week a lot higher, and I gave that movie a two. Um, I understand. I'll give it a four. No, no. We listen. This always happens where I start talking and you change your rating. I feel like you should go with your guts. But what I'm saying <laughs> is, like, it's just interesting. I 
I couldn't deign to give it such a low score because I think, again, I'm one of those people that loves like 100,000 page books and I love to like wander in a world in a video game. Like I like slowness. So where I do think it hit, it missed the mark on like the actual storytelling and like the actual yeah. and the acting. Um, I did really enjoy being in that world. I liked contemplating the, uh, the like return to grace sort of a thing. I think I'd, I think I'll give it a six. Okay. Well, yeah, I guess that's, that, that's fair. I'm, I really thought it was so beautiful. It was beautiful, but I'm sticking with my three and a half because Brad Pitt's accent was god awful. His hair oh was god. weird. Listen, we're going to talk about his score right now. What would you give him? Him, I will give a three. <sighs> Listen, you have every right to do that. You have every right to do that. <sighs> it's tough because he's his accent was just so god awful. I feel horrible for him. Like I want to cry for him. Um. But there's these little sneaky moments where he's just so good at like emoting without talking that I think is so important to an actor. So I guess I'll give him a four and a half. But the accent really is inexcusable, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty inexcusable. I just feel so bad that they even cast him. It's fucked. It's like so stupid money making bullshit. Um, and then his hair. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hair. Um like, uh, I'll give it a three as well. No, a four. I'll give it a four. Because it looks, it's wafted nicely. I just don't like the... Um... Well, it goes through a journey, just like he does. Yeah, but an unrealistic one. I mean, well, his, did you notice his beard, grew, his beard grew like one millimeter over the course of three months? Yeah, and it got long, and then they got dirty. Like, oh, God, shitty filmmaking. But, okay, this is a complicated one for me, the hair thing, because I loved it when he was, I always love it when he's scraggly and long haired and bearded. So I love that. Then all of a sudden he's in Tibet and has a perfectly quaffed, bright blonde, like long in the front, almost lesbian, a current like asymmetric cut now. Yeah. No, he looks like Gwyneth Paltrow. He looks, yeah, he's in the Gwyneth Paltrow phase and it's very weird and I didn't like that. But then when he settles into Tibet, it's cute again. And he gets longer and a little bit darker. But then when he goes home to Austria at the end and he's quaffed, his beard is just like an inch too long. It's like almost pubic to the point where I couldn't even look at him. <laughs> so what do you give him? God, this is a tough one. I'm going to give him a four. For sitting right with me because it, the the hair went through a journey. I mean, he had to commit to various different stages and phases for it. He did, yeah. Um, okay, so I feel really good about that. So you're giving the movie itself a three, a three. I'm giving it a six. You're giving Brad a three. I'm giving him a four, and I'm giving his hair a four. Yep. Okay, great. Um, well, that wraps up seven years in Tibet. Glad that's over. I have a heart feeling in my guts that's not founded on anything that I'm going to like the next movie, which is Meet Joe Black. I have a, I'm, I'm afraid that I'm going to really hate it. 
I'm afraid that it's going to be, it's two and a half hours long. Oh my God. Brad, stop. Also, movies. I remember like going to the movies as a kid and being like, well, this is a four hour excursion because movies used to be longer. We don't have the attention span anymore. Like, I don't think that's, that may not be the filmmaker's fault. That may just be like, we don't make movies long anymore. No, it's Brad Pitt's fault for choosing these movies because <laughs> there are plenty of movies that are the appropriate length from this time period. So, yeah, I mean, enough. yes, that's part of it. I, I will admit part of it is that our attention span is different. Yeah. But there are still good movies that fit in less than two hours from that time period. Yeah. So Brad Pitt just he is he's in an artsy fartsy mode. He's like, I'm a huge megastar. Good God, please don't cast me as a stud. I yeah. want to be an artiste. Fuck you, Brad. Be what you're good at. Anyway, okay, so next week is Meet Joe Black. And uh watch it. Watch it. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. We still um, only have three fucking Twitter followers, which is me, Michael, and Brad Pitt. I'm giving up on Twitter. Instagram, you guys, Instagram is heating the fuck up. I am, every, with every movie, I am doing an at least seven-part Instagram story, which I'm very proud of. And they're very fun and funny. So follow us, and our posts are also very good. Yeah. Not just stories. I mean, it's a great Instagram. And you know what? It's building on its own. It's getting followers and we sound like douchebags talking about it like this. But anyway. Um, you don't even need to listen to the podcast to enjoy our content is what we're saying. Yeah, exactly. Like you can feel like you're part of it no matter what. Yeah. Um, give us feedback. Tell us what you think. Um, we love you. And thanks for listening. And we will see you next week for Meet Joe Black. Goodbye. See ya. And I wouldn't want to be ya. And I'm still some for some reason talking. And so I'm going to stop right now.